Well, friends, it's Advent. It's officially upon us. This morning, we will turn to the Gospel of Mark, and we'll be starting at the very, very beginning, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Let us listen now for a word from the Lord. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. On my drive to church this morning, I couldn't help but notice the lights and the full Christmas tree parking lots and the blown up snowmen and the wreaths decorating the majority of the homes in my neighborhood. Last week, my family went on a Christmas light hayride. It's turned to be a little bit of a tradition for us over Thanksgiving. This year was extra spectacular. They had big blow-up snow globes, lights hanging from every tree. They had lit up reindeers and elves that circled on a fake ice skating rink. They had a couple of big nativity scenes set with large midnight stars hanging over them, as well as decorated tree after tree after tree. Lights and decorations filled the entire path with barely any patch of grass left untouched. As I was studying Mark's gospel for this week, it made me wonder what Mark's house would have been like during Advent today. If our scripture reading could describe his holiday decor, I believe we would find Mark's house standing a bit bare. Not a single decoration to be found. No wreath, no tree, no candle in the window. As we walk up to the front door, we might not even know if anyone's actually home. However, the emptiness and the lack of decor actually makes sense because Mark doesn't say a single word about Christmas. He doesn't make a single comment about Christ's birth. Mark bypasses Bethlehem completely as he begins with the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, before immediately heading to full-grown Jesus, who's waiting to be baptized by John. Mark's gospel is short and it's sweet, and it's to the point. He's our earliest gospel writer on record, and his story starts off fast and really never slows down. The characters in Mark are the least developed. His sentences often feel choppy to read, 
and the pace of his story of Jesus is reflected with his frequent use of the adverb immediately. Our gospel reading this morning is bare bones. It's these, this entire gospel reads as a journey to the cross while only sharing details that are needed in order for the story to move forward. We begin today in the wilderness with John the baptizer. And we don't know exactly what he's preaching. Mark doesn't really care to mention that to us. We don't fully know who's out there. They say everyone in Jerusalem, but that seems a little bit like an exaggeration. We don't know his ministry or how it started. We don't know who his people are. We don't know why he was called to do this. But we know that Mark wants us to pick up where Isaiah left off. Isaiah speaks his words of comfort at a time of great tragedy, loss, and chaos. The way things had been is gone forever, and the future is bleak and unknown. Isaiah reminds us that people are like flowers and grass that wither and fade. Isaiah finds comfort only in the one thing that does not wither and fade, the promise of God. John the Baptist knows what he's talking about. He knows that people need preparation if they're going to be able to recognize Jesus. Their idea, you see, of what it means to wait for the Messiah needs to be completely reshaped. If they're waiting for God to break into the present and save them from their enemies, if they're waiting for a warrior Messiah who will slay their oppressors, they're in for a big surprise. That's not the kind of Messiah that John is announcing. The phrase, son of God, that he uses itself is provocative. In the first century, that title was reserved for the Roman emperor and the Roman emperor only. If Jesus is the son of God, then that meant the emperor was not. Mark wants us to know that Jesus is coming to challenge existing authorities. Everything that John bro proclaims is that Jesus is the Messiah. And it will be different. It will be so different from what they expect. It will take some convincing to persuade people to change their expectations so that they might be able to recognize this surprising Messiah in their midst. John the baptizer is not a smooth operator. In fact, we wonder why anyone would listen to him at all. A wilderness dweller, perhaps a wanderer, dressed in animal skin, camel hair doesn't sound comfortable to me, he eats fruit of the land, including bugs. It's clear that he's not backed by any authorities or by any influential groups. Surely, if he was, he would have had a better infrastructure for making his announcement. He's a lone voice, asking people to do something that's very difficult for humans to do, to change their mind, to change their heart, to change their behavior, and to change their attitudes, to repent. John is proclaiming God's forgiveness and inviting people into a new kind of relationship with God a relationship that is sealed with water, 
a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Quite frankly, it's hard to imagine that this is something that people would want to partake in. And yet the gospel tells us that people came. They flocked to this strange man in this lonely place because they were longing for change. They were yearning for it. The lives they were living were not sustainable. They suffered, and they were ready to do something to change their reality. John is very clear that he is not the Messiah. He's not the one that everyone has been waiting for, but his job is to point to Jesus, to prepare the way for people to recognize Jesus when his ministry begins. He claims to be unworthy, to even bow down and untie Jesus' shoes. His only tool to get this message across to people is water. Jesus, the Son of God, will bring the Holy Spirit. The decorations on our homes that we see as we drive home remind us that we're preparing for Christmas. But we're up to our eyeballs in recipes and decorations, visiting family, traveling, COVID tests, don't forget your mask, shopping, coffee runs, parties, hosting, up to our eyeballs. But let us not forget that we are in a time of waiting and a time of wondering, a time of preparation. Is there anything that will stand in the way of enabling us to recognize Jesus this year? Is it easy for us to recognize baby Jesus? Yes, sweet and tender, calling us to gentle acts of kindness and worship. We love the carols and we love the nativity plays and those things are all wonderful. It's much more difficult in this season to recognize grown-up. Jesus, the one who made countercultural decisions that made people really mad, the Jesus who reshaped the historical trajectory of human understanding of who God is and what God stands for, who challenged oppression, captivity, and poverty, who crossed boundaries and renamed who was acceptable before God. Jesus who died in love for this world and wrestled with the power of death and won. In Advent, we prepare not only for sweet baby Jesus, but for the astonishing God who breaks into history time and time again to transform absolutely everything, to turn everything upside down, to turn us upside down, Repentance means, in part, to turn towards Jesus, to turn away from sins that separate us from God and from one another, the painful violence that rips apart communities, the more subtle violence that we see in poverty, the ways that we damage and don't protect our earth. We turn towards Jesus and we find life. Can we ever really be ready to encounter such a force of life in all its brilliance and in all its magnitude. We can begin, though, by remembering baptism, the waters that flow through each and every one of us, forming our identity as God's beloved children, that water that strengthens us to lie down our fears about change and our fears about transformation. It prepares our hearts to be open 
to a future that we haven't expected, to a Messiah that will turn us upside down and inside out. We'll have to let go of some things if we want to really fully experience the gift that we're given in the person of Christ. And yet there's nothing more important or more giving, life-giving, nothing else that can save our lives. So let us listen to the voice of the one calling out to us in our bondage, out to our sorrow, out to us in the darkness of night and in the wilderness. In hope and in preparation, we wait and we wait for the glorious light of the world to be born. Amen. desert a highway for our God. So all of you who are waiting, hear. All of you who hope, listen up. All of you who are longing for change, remember. We come here to this table to remember the promise which was breathed into the fabric of our history and its fulfillment is at hand. The lonely will be comforted. The orphan will be championed. The light will shine in the darkness. The lost one will be searched for and found. The path of salvation will be restored. In this season of Advent, we wait, but we wait with hope, and we expect to see the face of our Savior. So if the depths of your spirit is crying out, come thou long-expected Jesus, this table has been laid out for you. For those who sing, born to set your people free and desire to be set free, this table has a place set for you. If your heart aches to be released from fear and sin or anxiety and loneliness or obligations and demands and diagnoses and destructive cycles, well then come here and receive the bread of salvation, the cup of salvation, and the bread of heaven. 
those who wait or seek or doubt or who are healing, those who hope, those who sing with joy, those who seek to find peace and purpose in Christ, this table has a place for you. The Feast of Salvation and Grace is here for the taking. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us pray. Gracious Master of Peace and Hope, here we are, with our heads bowed and our hearts and minds turned towards you. We have entered through the door of the Advent season and asked for you to dwell with us in this place of planning and anticipation. For the rain that tickles our nose, for the sun that brightens our eyes, for snow where we might make angels, we give you thanks. For icy branches, for clacking in winter's wind and the burgeoning buds that reveal quickened death. For the great green growing earth, for the crisp chill of sweater weather, worn over the tang of apple cider and crackling fires that draw us close, we give you thanks the joys of human life, for the mystery of birth, and the wide-eyed wonder of babies who toddle with giggles of joy, for children in their natural curiosity, for youth reaching towards responsibility, for the loyalty of friends who always have time to talk, for the hand of someone we know and trust, for the church that proclaims your goodness and claims us as its own through Jesus Christ, we give you thanks. Help us to be holy with you. Help us to feel your presence amongst our crazy daily lives. We need to see you in our world. Help us to see your grace in the midst of every tragedy we do not understand. We plead for your intervention and pray for your gentle spirit to touch the lives of those in our world who feel forgotten, abandoned, and inhuman. Help us to claim our power as the body of Christ to respond to the many needs of our world. Sometimes these needs, O oh Lord, we perpetuate by our own greed and fear and indifference. With us, we ask to save those who are hungry. Through us, heal all forms of discrimination. Lead us to change the way our society responds to the disenfranchised, including those who are bound by addiction, those experiencing homelessness, and those who have been previously incarcerated. Inspire us to prepare our hearts for the coming of our prophet, our king, our priest, and our judge, the baby who we call Jesus. We ask you, God, to help us be bold, as bold as John the Baptist. Give us the strength to claim who we really are as Christians and all we do all the time. And now we ask that you prepare our hearts this Advent season in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we give thanks to God for sending Christ to the world. Jesus, who came to us as a vulnerable child on the fringes of society. Jesus, who lived among us and told God's story, who healed the sick and welcomed the sinner, who shared in our pain and died our death, and then rose again to new life that we might live and all creation might be restored. We give thanks that on the night of the Lord's arrest, he took a loaf of bread after eating with his disciples, and he took the bread and he broke it. 
And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. And then in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup is the cup is the blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And whenever you take this bread, you eat it, and ever, whenever you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We will be celebrating the Lord's Supper by passing it today. And so now I invite our ushers forward. And you all may stay in your pews and we'll hold our elements until everyone has them and partake them together as the body of Christ. Please know that on our bread trays, if you need gluten-free bread, they're there.
This is the body of Christ. of salvation. Now we pray in thanksgiving. Long awaited Savior, you are the promise of the prophet and we are witnesses to your work. Enlighten us and enliven us 
Guide our feet through the wilderness toward the living water of your grace, following the steps of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. And now in response to God's abundance, let us present our tithes and our gifts with joy and gratitude.
pray together in dedication. Holy God, as we journey down this Advent road, grant us the courage to make peace. Peace in our hearts, peace in our homes, peace in our communities. Accept these gifts of our hands, our hearts, our actions, and our resources, so that Mayhem may have a place at the table. Amen. let us be people of hope. Let hope live in your heart and share the hope of Christ with all that you meet. Share hope by noticing someone else's humanity. Share hope by listening to someone's story. Share hope by praying for the world. In this Advent season, we need to see, feel, and share hope. And so as you go out into the wonder of God's creation, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. <laughs>